I want to present something for your consideration tonight that I believe is not a cure-all, but I believe that it is, has such a tremendous and important place in the physical life that we ought not to close this series without presenting it under the type, title, All This and Heaven Too, because I believe this leads us in the first aspect of physical heaven here. For those who have marital problems, I want to recommend this strongly. For those who have nerve problems of any kind, I want to recommend it very strongly. And I'm recommending it before I tell you what it is. And I'll tell you why. Nearly, and this sounds very negative, but it's true, nearly everybody who hears the message I'm giving tonight thinks that it must be for somebody else. Is that right, Brother Steve? They cannot possibly, it seems they can possibly, but they, it's hard for them to, to believe that it is actually for them personally. And later they'll come to us with a problem, especially when we give it early in the series. And when they're through with their discussing their problem, presenting their problem, I'll say, do you remember when I spoke on such and such a subject? They say, yes. I say, that is for you. They said, you don't mean that's for me. That is for you. Oh, I thought that was for somebody else. That is for you. If you have a, a physical weakness, if you have a physically diseased body, it's for you. Now, we're not professing that it's a cure-all, but we're professing, my friends, that it has to do with about 90% of all diseases. And I say, that's, that's a lot. What do you say? About 90% of physical diseases are caused or aggravated by this, what we're presenting, <laughs> part of what we're presenting. And I believe that about 90% of physical diseases, I believe it with all my heart, for I've been dealing with this thing for 25 years in our counseling, I believe that about 95% of physical diseases could be eradicated if a person would put this into, into effect with the ABCs of claiming Bible promises. Claim a Bible promise for healing, just like we taught. But as you claim that Bible promise for healing, there are many conditions for healing. That's why when I pray for the healing of someone else, I have to pray a prayer of commitment because I have no idea whether they have lived up to the conditions of physical healing, do you see? or spiritual healing. I mean, they may have done certain things spiritually and still be doing them that would negate God's promises. All right, then this is for physical healing. This is for spiritual healing. This is for nerve healing. This is for marriage healing. And this is for soul winning, one of the most tremendous things for soul winning that you can possibly think of. This is life. So it's for everyone. It's for you right there. And it's for you and you and you and you and all of you. And you are in radio land. It's for every one of you. And you know, it makes me sad after I present a subject like this. Somebody comes along and says, you know, Elder Kuhn, I wish you'd pray for my physical condition. I say, this, is, this part is good. Did you, uh, have you started the program we presented? Well, no. <laughs> all right. Have I exhorted enough? Since I've exhorted, 
Remember what I'm presenting now in a few moments sounds so simple that people just do not believe it. Some do, Brother Steve, some do. What happens when they do? What happens when they do believe it, Brother Steve? They have a whole new life. This program I'm presenting are some of our best, some of our most successful evangelists have tried for people who want victory over tobacco, and it works for tobacco. <laughs> Sounds like a cure-all. It isn't, but it's almost. It is based on 826 texts of Scripture. So that makes it kosher. For every command, for every command to keep the Sabbath, there are 50 texts of Scripture enjoining whatever I'm going to tell you about. It's an educational program for our lips and our hearts, based on, on 826 texts of Scripture, briefly summarized in the book Ministry of Healing, pages 251 to 253. And it says this in effect, we should educate our lips and our heart to speak God's praise. It's an educational program for our lips and our hearts to speak God's praise. And it says, I'm not quoting word for word, it says if we will educate our lips and our hearts to speak God's praise, the human mind cannot begin to comprehend the fantastic results that will follow. Now I'll give you two or three texts of Scripture. Here's one, and it's given to the Adventist people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, 16 and 18. Here's how it starts. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, when they shall say, Peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travel upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should take you unawares. Who is God talking about? Adventists, people who can, can tell us the closing events as clearly as anything. You, you're, you don't need to be surprised. You know all about the events that are ahead. Now when he speaks, so that shows he's speaking to the remnant church of the last days. Now what do you suppose he would say to the people who know the events? They know about the plagues that are going to fall. They know about the time of trouble. They know about the awful situation that will engulf the world that staggers the imagination. They know all of that. Now, what does he say to do? Since they know all the trouble that's coming, what does he tell them to do? Verse 16, whoever has it first, stand right up and read it, will you? He tells them, us, rejoice always. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul didn't write his own thoughts merely, did he? He was a penman for whom? For God. How many agree to that? Then this is the Lord telling you and me, who know all about the closing events with all the horror that's coming on the world, he said, look, this is what you are to do. You are to rejoice always. One version. Another says, rejoice evermore. I want you to be praising the Lord all the while. Who said that? God said it. He had the Apostle Paul write it for what people? The people of the last days. Everywhere I go, I find very conscientious people. People will come to me and they say, do you think anybody's going to heaven if he eats meat? 
By the way, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> For people who are so eager to do right, let's do right. God says be happy all the while, praise the Lord all the while. That's what God says. And my friends, if I don't eat a, a breast of a chicken, and if I don't eat one little fish, but if I go around with a downcast countenance and a heart that is pained and a, a set of eyes that are pained, how in the world can I say I'm obeying God? What do you say? God says, be happy all the while. God said it. Do you think we ought to obey God? Well, how are you going to do it? We'll start praising him. <laughs> and don't think that's because somebody else says amen that he's crazy. You know, since I was a boy, if anybody in the church would say amen three times, we knew there's something wrong with him. <laughs> Absolutely knew there's something wrong with him. And yet he was the only one that was obeying the text. All the rest of us were sitting there like dummies, thinking we were the real kosher ones. And the one who was praising the Lord, he was, he was just a little touched. Well, I say, if that is being touched, may God touch us all. What do you say? And help us to praise his name everywhere we go. Now, lest somebody should misunderstand, verse 18, same chapter, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, Seventh-day Adventists. Everywhere you go, be thankful. God said it. Conscientious men and women, let's take God in his word and let's begin to thank God for the gift of Calvary. Let's thank God for the blood of Jesus. Let's thank God for forgiveness and cleansing. What do you say? Let's thank God that we're alive. Let's thank God until we t educate our lips and our hearts to speak his praise. 826 texts. Tell us, in effect, what those tell us. And more than that, this is what it says beside. Psalm 22, verse 3. And when you read it, if you're like me, you won't get it at all the first time. But this, this is what it's saying. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now people say, I don't know what that means. Inhabit means dwell. Praises means thanksgiving. Israel means God's people. So, O Lord, you actually dwell in the praises of your people. Our favorite author says, praise and thanksgiving takes us nearer to heaven than even prayer. Anybody ever read that? Let's see your hand. Thanking God takes us... One did. Thank the Lord. There's one person here who's read that. Thank, that's right in the book, Steps to Christ. Being thankful and praising God and rejoicing in the Lord leads us closer to heaven than even prayer. That's why we put it in the ABC prayer program. So people pray and pray and pray. They ought to pray and pray and pray, but they ought to also thank and thank and thank and thank and rejoice. God said to do it. And God, in, God dwells in the praises of his people. Now, when God dwells in our praises, what happens? 1 John 5, 10 and 12. He that hath the Son hath what? Life. So when God's people begin to praise him for every kind of a situation in which they find themselves, God comes down in a very special way, actually saturates his people. And when God saturates a diseased body, what will happen to it? A healing process will begin. Absolutely, it will begin. I read another place from my favorite author, that the Holy Spirit 
will strengthen a person physically and mentally and spiritually every day. So God's healing power is resting on a thankful people. It couldn't be any way else. You read statements from the Minister of Healing, Desire of Ages, how it was heaven to be in Christ's presence. And from him came forth a healing atmosphere. Everywhere he went, a healing atmosphere. When Christ dwells in a happy heart, he brings life. Expect physical strength. Expect physical healing. Not necessarily instantly, but expect it to take place. God said so. Physical healing, spiritual healing, nerve healing, soul winning healing, marriage, marriage healing. My, my, I say it's worth it, don't you? It's worth it. Now two or three concrete illustrations. The first time that I learned this, I learned it the hard way. Twenty-five years ago, after I'd picked up the ABCs of prayer, Satan de determined to destroy me. And remember, friend, when you begin to learn to claim Bible promises, your battle with the devil has just begun. But remember this, that God is stronger than the devil. And right away, as I tell these little tiny kids in the second and third grade, I say, when you get answers to prayer, it'll make Satan as mad as a devil. And the little folks will say, he is a devil. And he determined he would destroy me. And some things happened to me. I, I, if I told you about them, you wouldn't know anything more about the text of Scripture. You'd be so, so curious to know what happened to Kuhn back there. So I'm not going to tell you. But I'm going to tell you what happened. I, was, I began to uh, crab. My wife and I were on a trip from Florida back home. And I didn't realize it. All day long, I crabbed. Why did this happen to me? Did you ever wonder why something happened to you? Anybody here? Why did he, you could understand why it would happen to others. All day long, I talked to my wife. I said, I don't know why this would happen to me. And I just was analyzing it out loud, out loud negatively. The next day I did the same, and the third day I did the same. I put up at Mount Vernon Academy in the guest room that night, and the next morning I could not get out of bed. Our friend Dr. Miller was living in Mount Vernon. My wife went to the telephone, asked him if he'd come over. He came over to the room. I couldn't move to the next room. I couldn't crawl to the next room. He says, praise the Lord that I couldn't. I do too, because it taught me a lesson. You know, we have to hit bottom before, sometimes before we can hit top. He came, looked me over, and he said, I think you have influenza. <laughs> I should have told him right off what's the trouble. You know, a doctor's judgment is only as good as his information. And anybody that you go to counsel with, if you don't tell them the facts, don't expect good counsel. Lots of people come to me and they'll tell only about nine-tenths of facts. Our judgment is based on our information. And if you want poor counsel, don't tell the truth. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't tell him that I'd been crabbing for three days. And he said, I think you have influenza. I knew I didn't have it. I knew I'd been crabbing. <laughs> when he went back home, I said to my wife, I thought a few minutes, I said, Honey, I know I don't have influenza, but he doesn't know what's happened. Will you go to the telephone and call him back? And the good man came back again. I said, Doctor, I've been having a lot of trouble lately. <laughs> when I got through, he said, Oh, I changed my diagnosis. Nerve exhaustion. Six months for you. I, I want to hasten to, uh, uh, to add, he didn't say in an institution. No, I didn't go there. 
Maybe that's where I belonged. <laughs> but I didn't go there. Six months for you. I was to be in bed six months. There was a medical doctor I had known some years, well, just briefly before. And he had taught some of our family a little bit about educating our lips and our hearts to speak God's praise. But he never quoted that. And that thing came to me as from the Lord right then. Three days of negative thinking, plus a lot of trouble you'd been thinking on occasionally, has gotten you to the place where you can't make one move. And Galatians 6, 7 came to me just like that. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. You sowed negatives, you have reaped exhaustion. If you will sow positives, you will reap life. And I said, I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm going to do it. But I didn't say it that loud because I couldn't talk that loud. I could hardly whisper. And then when I decided I'd start thanking the Lord, you know what happened? I couldn't remember one thing for which to be grateful. If you ever decide that you want to have a good nervous break, decide not to be thankful. And you can have her anytime you want to. I couldn't think of one thing for which to be thankful, and that scared me because I've been a very happy man. Most of the time. And I said, oh God, please come to my rescue. I can't even thank you unless you help me. And I said, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll thank you for the first thing I look at. And I looked at the door and I said, thank you, Lord, for the door. And thank you that it's locked so nobody can poke his head in and look at me. I'll leave it to you to decide whether that was positive or negative or a little of each. And then my mind went in a, just like a cracked record. But why, those hypocrites, why did they treat me like this? Self-pity, do you see? Self-pity is deadly, my friends. It is absolutely deadly. God says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Not all things are good, but they work together for good. They help to develop patience. God says so. I started going in the old rut again. I said, oh, God, please come to my rescue again. And I said, I'll thank you for the first thing I look at. And I looked at the window and I said, thank you, Lord, for the window. And thank you, it's closed and locked so nobody can poke his head in and look at me. That was the, my first feeble efforts trying to thank the Lord. Little by little, I broke loose, little by little. And for all my waking moments for three days, I thanked God. I was educating my lips and my heart to do what? Speak his praise and... Jesus, who is life, was now saturating my being, and he that hath the Son of God hath what? And in three days I got up and went home. I said, I've got two messages now for the world, ABCs of prayer and praising God continually. It is biblical through and through. God would not repeat a thing 826 times unless it's important. Look at it. All of it, all of the Bible is in this little book. Imagine the great infinite God repeating something 826 times. He must mean business. What do you say? So when somebody is mean to you, say, praise the Lord. When somebody gossips about you, say, praise the Lord. When some real good seasoned Christian acts like the devil... Say, praise the Lord, for James 1, 2, and 3 says, Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation, knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh what? Right away said, I'm going to tell it to the world. But you know, it was a long while in telling it. 
I just didn't do much of anything. We, get, we let things slip. But when I started, I want to tell you, my friends, all that I found in the Bible concerning it was true. A lady in, in St. Louis, Missouri, it was years later, before I'd done much of anything, she came to me in our meeting. She said, listen, I wonder if you can help me. She said, I was in an automobile accident. And she said, and I, I had to undergo surgery. It was successful, but she said, I was, left in, I was left in such a state of shock that my nerves were just almost destroyed. I've been going to nerve specialists for quite a while. She said, they just told me that they cannot do anything more for me. And she said, my specialist made this suggestion. Why don't you go to some minister? Maybe he can get through to you. I pray to God that this message will get through to us. What do you say? She said, can you help me? I said, yes, I meant God could. Will you do what I suggest? She said, I will. All right, I gave her an educational program. Tomorrow morning when you get up, get a little tiny slip of paper. We've developed it a little better since then, so I'm sort of giving the development to. A little slip of paper or cardboard about two inches square, tiny. You can put it right in the palm of your hand later. Put down, right down the line, ten words. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten words. Each word represents one thing for which you are grateful or should be grateful. Like air. Anything. Don't make it hard. Make it easy. First thing you think of. Lights. Eyesight. Fingernails. Anything. Mike. Shoes, see, socks, anything you think of, hair, I'm still thankful for the, what I've left, toothbrush, toothpaste, teeth to brush, jaw to hold my teeth in with, a neck to hold my job with. Some people say, you're kind of getting silly. If you think that's silly, get along without your neck one day. The trouble is, we are taking God's blessings for granted, brethren, aren't we? We're taking his blessings for granted. I said, make a list of ten things in the morning for which you're grateful on that little tiny cardboard. Now, all day long, you're to start an educational program for your lips and your heart. You'll make each word into a sentence, air, make it into a sentence, based on Nehemiah 8.10. There is an equation. The joy of the Lord equals, if you please, your strength. Joy plus God equals what? Strength. If I will mix joy and Jesus together, I'll have what? Who said so? God said so. I will have family strength, soul-winning strength, physical strength, mental strength, spiritual strength. And I say, thank the Lord. All of that? I said, the next morning, make a list of ten more things and do the same. Thank you, Lord, for the air. Thank you, that's the joy. Lord, that's the Lord. The joy of the Lord equals what? Your strength. Thank you, Lord, for the air. The next item, say eyesight. Thank you, Lord, for eyesight. And so with every item, do that for ten days and add ten each day till you have a hundred. That's four days' work. And all the while, all through the day, you're carrying on an educational program for your lips and your heart. Thank you, Lord, for air. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Whatever you have written, hold to what you've written. And there's a very specific reason why you should write it. 
Don't just think it, write it. And the reason for writing it is found in Psalm 103, 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Of the senses that God has given us, how many senses do we have? We have the sense of touch. So with a sense of touch, I'm to praise the Lord. So you'll write it out with a sense of touch. As you write it, the sense of sight will see you write it. As you say it, you have the sense of speech and the sense of hearing. You see? You employ every sense that you can. So you write it, you see you write it, you say it, you hear you say it. I said, in report at the end of 10 days. At the end of 10 days, we closed our meetings, and that lady, with a lot of other people, were crowding around us. She said, Elder Kuhn, Elder Kuhn. Yes. She said, it has completely cured me. She meant Godhead. I said, listen, I can't talk to you. There's so many people here. Would you kindly write me a letter and spell it out? She said, yes. Our next series was in Winter Park, Florida. The day that series opened, we received a letter from that lady. It was almost fantastic. I went back, she said, to my nerve specialist, and he said, Lady, you're like a different woman. She said, I am. I knew it. I just wanted to hear you say it. He said, what in the world did you do? She said, I did what you told me to do. What do you mean? I went to a minister. What did he tell you to do? <laughs> she said, he told me to make a list of ten things. Doesn't that sound like the prophet Elijah saying to Naaman, go and wash in old Jordan? And Naaman said, simple thing like that? To wash in Jordan, that can never do it. And one of his men said, Naaman, how about doing what you're told to do? God says, rejoice evermore. Psalm 34, 1 says, to praise him continually. And Deuteronomy 28, 47 says, there all of the 20th chapter, gives more than 50 diseases and curses that will come on God's people who are merely theological. And it says these curses will come on you, verse 47, because thou servest not the Lord your God with gladness of heart. It's one thing to say, Lord, I'm going to do right. It's another thing to say, Lord, it's a beautiful thing to do right. I love you, Lord. It's one thing to say, I'll tell you, I'll practice health reform if it kills me. It's another thing to say, the God of health reform is a beautiful God. You see the difference? Thank God for the spinach. <laughs> Thank the Lord for all of his blessings. When we started in Winter Park, I just had to read that letter. Somebody came right away at the pastor and said, Elder Birch, there's a woman over here about 26 years of age. This woman is fit to go into an institution. Elder Coons told something wonderful. Will you take him over to see that woman? When we rang that doorbell and that 26-year-old woman came to the door. I've seen people in the psychiatric ward that I was sure were worlds better than that woman. And her eyelids were down just like the shades on a window. Almost clear down. And she talked just like she looked. She said, I wonder... And I was wondering, too. I wonder if you could help me. She said, I understand. And I thought, my, I wonder if she does. She said, sit down. If I ever prayed in my life, I prayed then. I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do, Lord. But there's a promise. If any of you like wisdom, <laughs> let him ask of God. I'm not a doctor. 
dear. She said, for 20 years, I've been living in an imaginary room of four walls and no windows and no doors. And every year, the, the, the walls have come closer to me. And now the walls are up close, almost to my body. I wonder if you could help me. What would you do? Wouldn't you pray? I prayed. I'm telling you, it was no joke, my friends. I pleaded with God, what shall I do, Lord? She said, I've gone to doctors, and I've gone to psychiatrists, and I've gone to specialists. They've told me there's no hope now. Can you help me? There is a bomb in Gilead. There is a physician there. And I just perked up my hope the best I could. I was trembling. You know, it's good to tremble once in a while. God says, if you don't know what, then I can get the credit. And I didn't know what, so God could get the credit. And while I was feeling around, wondering what to do, I said, will you do what we tell you to do? She said, I'll do anything. I said, all right, go in the other room and get a pencil and paper. And that woman started in the other room, and she just kind of wobbled. And she came back, wobbled back with a pencil and paper, and plunked herself down. She didn't sit, she just plunked. And I said, now, I didn't give her the all list that I've given you. By the way, what we're giving tonight is just a touch. Just a touch. If you want more of it, it's in the book, Please Pray. We've done a whole chapter. I said, start making a list and make a list of ten things for which you're grateful. What was I trying to do? Help to educate her lips and her heart to do what? Speak God's praise so that Jesus, who is life, could fill her life and saturate her with life. Why, our favorite author says that the mind is the basis of nine-tenths of our ailments, all physical ailments. If the Bible, if the mind is the basis of our trouble, then under God the mind can be the basis of healing. What do you say? It's just that simple. So she started to make a list, and bless your heart, in a matter of moments, she made a list of six things. I said, you only have four more. I said, now, all day long, here's the equation. What is it? The joy of the what? Lord is what? Your strength. So you will make a sentence out of each of these words. Say it audibly, because expression deepens impression. That's why our favorite author says again and again and again and again and again words like this. Talk faith and you'll have faith. Talk praise and you'll have Jesus, you see. Talk thankfulness and he'll saturate your body and your mind with his life. And I say, thank God it's cheap enough. I said, then come tonight to the meeting and we'll coach you for the next day. She said, what? She thought I was silly to think she could even be where people are. She said, I can't be where people are. Well, I said, then at the close of the meeting in the pastor's study, and she stopped, and she thought, and she said, I'll tell you what, I'll come every other night after the meeting. I said, wait a minute, if you come every other night, you'll have 20 things. 10 a day, if you don't come tomorrow night, it'll be 20. Now, I said, let me make this suggestion. As much faster as you want to get well, add to your list. If you want to get well faster, make it 25 in two days instead of 20, or 30. Two nights later, she came in after the service, and she had 41 things. She did double duty. <laughs> and you know, the shade, 
the shade dropped just a wee bit. And she looked just a wee bit better. Two days. At the end of four days, she had 80-some things. The shades were halfway up. And she looked like she was about 50% well. And I said, listen, lady, you look worlds better. How do you feel? She said, I don't feel. I said, what do you mean? Well, she said, I feel like I was in Texas. Well, my wife and I had just been in Texas. There were no, no walls there. She had been living in a room with four imaginary walls, no windows, no doors. I said, what about those walls? Oh, she said, the windows and doors have come back in. In four days of educating her lip and lips and her heart to speak God's praise, in four days, and she was not a member of our faith, in four days, windows and doors came in those solid walls. I say, what a wonderful God of life. What do you say? At the end of eight days, she had 160 things, twice as many every day. She had gone over them and over them and over them all day long. All her waking hours, she was educating her lips and her heart to speak God's praise. She walked in that eighth evening, the shades were up. The eyes were bright. Her step was elastic. I'm telling you the truth. I said, lady, you look to me like you're well. She said, I am. I said, prove it. <laughs> well, she said, I've gone to work. Well, I thought, that's, that's good. Works good for people. That'd be wonderful. Two, three hours a week would be wonderful. I said, how many, how many hours a week? She said, ten, ten hours a day. Uh, ten hours a day? You mean you're working ten hours every day? She said, yes. What line of work are you doing? She said, I sit with little children. I said, you must be well. That would kill me now. Ten hours a day with little children? You must be well. She said, absolutely, perfectly well. When God makes a statement, he means it, friends. You know the trouble you and me is we are so negative. We're thinking on the, on the problem instead of the solution. That's the trouble with professing Christians. And our churches are full of them. My friends, to be problem-centered will never solve a problem. Christ is the solution. And the joy in Jesus Christ is soul-winning strength as well, as well as physical strength. David said, King David said in the 51st Psalm, listen to this, create in me a, beginning with the 10th verse, going through the 13th, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Did God do it? Yes. He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. What would happen when he did that? When he let men and women know that he found joy, what did he say would happen? Then, when you give me joy, then will I teach transgressors your way, and sinners will be converted to you. This is placed in the Bible. When you and I have found the joy of forgiveness, the joy of salvation, we know that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. And we tell men and women we found joy and salvation in him. He says, men will be converted. I say, thank God for it. It'll save marriages too. I'll tell you, give you just one concrete illustration on marriages. Because it's important. Today now, any time that a man and his wife have a little, a little wrangle, they say, oh man, I never was supposed to marry you. It's amazing. You know, the marriage, the home, is the laboratory of the Christian life. 
What you are at home shows whether you're a Christian or not. Anybody can dress up and go to church. Anybody can sing in church. But how you treat your wife at home, how you wives treat your husbands at home, that shows whether you're a Christian or not. We're holding a series of meetings and with a couple young men, two districts combining. They didn't know a thing about this joy program. We hadn't put it in. And they learned, as I was traveling with one of them, he said, well, I never knew you had a program like that. It is my program. It's God's. I, I, had, I had trouble learning it. People every once in a while think it's Coon's program. It's not mine. He said, listen, there, there are a couple out here, he said, farmers. He said, they're, they're, they're specializing in growing chickens. And he said, they get along like cats and dogs, just about ready to break up. He said, would you go out and see them? I said, I'd be glad to. It was Friday, the last Friday of our series. He said, they might be so busy getting ready for the Sabbath, they wouldn't even let us in. And I thought, <laughs> isn't that something? Here are two people getting ready for the Sabbath. You see, if they don't work so hard on Sabbath, they can quarrel more. We went the back door and didn't tell them what we came for until the lady had us in. Her husband wasn't there. I'm glad she, he wasn't. When she let us in, I said, I smiled. I said, we've come to help you with your problem. And brother, did she have a memorized list? She knew every fault her husband had from the day that he was born. And she had memorized it just like a parrot. She went right down the list. And she was so happy that she knew why she... She'd almost graduated. She knew so many of his faults. When she got through, I gave her two or three simple tips. I said, uh, you can have a happy home. You want to come tomorrow afternoon? I said, by the way, your romantic love's pretty well gone. She said, gone? I should say so. I said, You're, you don't have much in common anymore either, do you? She said, I should say not. I said, there's a spark of divine love, and that doesn't die. Love never fails, and we'll, we'll bring to you from God's word how that can be sparked again. Tomorrow afternoon. She came the next afternoon. I presented to them that day what I presented to you. When we closed our service, I went out and shook hands with the people as they're going out. When this lady came out, I shook her hand and I spoke very confidentially. I said, put this into practice and it'll change your home. The next morning, the young minister said, would you go over and visit this lady? Let's see how she's getting along. She'd only had from Sabbath afternoon at 3.30 till Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. That's not much time. That's not 10 days quite, you see. This is a 10-day program. We went over to her home about 10 o'clock. When we knocked at the door, this woman came to the door. I'm telling you the truth. That lady had such a glowing countenance that I hardly knew her to be the same woman. Come in, come in, she said. And we sat down and she, she said, my whole life, our whole home is changed. Everything is wonderful. By the way, some places where we go, we sing a joy song. Everything's all right. It isn't down here, but it is up there. And when we take that joy of God here, something will happen to the home. We've tried it in home after home after home. We've tried it in churches that were splitting. We've tried it with men who created issues in churches, and they went to the insane asylum. That's where they belong. Issue creators, negative thinkers. They later came to our meeting. We gave them the 10-point program. They were completely cured from their mental devil possession, as they told us later it was. When I talked to that lady, I could hardly believe my eyes. And you know, then she began to talk about her husband. <laughs> Bless her heart. She called him a guy. When I was a boy, nobody was a guy. Now even girls are guys. 
Amazing. She talked about him as a guy. She said, you know, <laughs> I don't know how the guy ever lived with me. And you know, I wanted to say amen, but why should I say amen? I, I didn't know how he could live with her, how she could live with him. Six of one, half a dozen the other. People who cannot live with each other can find that Jesus Christ will cause us to look on the bright side of life. That's what we did when we courted. That little dimple, oh, the man told his girlfriend, oh, the dimple was so beautiful. Till he got her, then he called it a cave. All the positives he saw in that girl as he courted her, after he got her, he ordered her around. He should have kept on praising the Lord and praising her. And she should have kept on praising the Lord and praising him. And before the children, praising each other and praising their children. And that it would be a praise home going to glory land. All this and heaven too. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.